1: Here's the fan girls on Jackalope Radio.
2: Welcome to Fangirl Radio, our penultimate Halloween episode.
3: <laughs> are, are we all doing evil laughter because I'm not very good at it?
2: <laughs> God, in there it's ruined. Wow. It's ruined. Uh, so, yeah, thanks, sir. <laughs>
3: <no. laughs>
2: <laughs> it's too late, the feast is ruined <laughs> So, well with that, um, welcome to Fangirl Radio I'm your host Jessica Dwyer And with me tonight are my lovely ladies, Rachel Moore Woo! I don't know what that was That was okay. supposed
4: to be a scream, but I was afraid <laughs> kind of like, hitting everybody here So I kind of missed
2: out And Sarah Park rains Hi Okay. <laughs> Brains Uh He's the he's the um, friendly zombie, and um, also with us tonight. I
3: just want to hug and your brains.
2: I just want to hug and your brains. That that that's a Colton song, if ever I've heard it. Um, and with us tonight, because um, he's pulling rank because of our special guest is Mr. Todd Sheets. Yay, fanboy supreme! Yay, fanboy. So. So, yes, tonight's episode is our um, our last of the month of celebration of Halloween and horror. And tonight we're having our very, very special guest, Mr. Joe Bob Briggs. He will be coming on later as our interview. And we shall definitely talk about um, drive-ins, horror, monster vision, possibly. And for sure, writing, because I want to pick his brains um, about that. But before we get to Joe Bob, we have a Weekend Geek uh, of Epic Proportions to talk about because our um, we definitely are going to be talking about Walking Dead. We are going to be talking about the amazing Once Upon a Time. Oh, but I- my
0: God.
2: Oh, it makes me have oh, funny tingling feelings. <laughs> funny tingles. Um, ah. I, told you just got- I know. I <laughs> know. <laughs> Todd, you're just gonna have to deal um but before we get before we start talking about those, I have to bring up Iron Man three trailer premiered this week, Yes. and everybody and their brother was like, "What the hell with the bunny rabbit in Stark's um apartment or house that blows up in the trailer and I keep thinking, I think he came over from Silent hill, but
4: uh, <laughs> Does uh, that trailer have enough angst in it for you? I have to know. Uh,
2: I, I it had a plenty of angst, but it needs more death of Pepper pots. I uh, oh.
1: I kind of thought it was like uh, Iron Man Rises should be the name of it instead of Dark Knight Rises. They could just. Uh, do, yeah, but they, you do
2: realize so he
3: was so directing are they doing it? the like demon in a bottle type thing with this one?
2: Uh, actually, no, they're not. I I talked to um them at Comic Con and. Uh, Shane Black and Downey both said that Tony does not fall off the wagon in this one. I think this is basically going to be Tony Stark paint. You know, this is going to be what Iron Man 2 should have been.
4: Versus Gandhi? Yeah,
2: well, you know, he, uh, Ben Kingsley is basically any any ethnicity that you can think of, you can put him in there and he can basically do it. So, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, I, I think this is going to be the movie that Iron Man 2 should have been. It's going to be Tony Stark, um, you know, really paying for his past sins and dealing with the out, the fallout of it. And they actually do mention um, New York. So you are going to have Avengers in there um, being mentioned, things that happen. And I'm sure there's going to probably be a mention or two of Phil Coulson. Um, but I really dug the trailer. I mean, it looks Good and whatever Robert Danny Jr. did to his hair, he needs to keep doing it. Oh, <sighs> Sorry,
1: I never knew we <laughs> judge the like, trailer by a hairdo.
4: I That's was nice. like, looks yes. <laughs> kind of like your hair is that because it's like ten, of, ten it's more ten. it's tenified. Ten that, it's oh,
2: tenified. oh How did yes. I know? Ah, oh, it's it smells like sweet, sweet hair product and fumes. No. Oh my <laughs> god! You smell this
4: hair from the trailer. We keep discussing this.
2: <laughs> but um, but yes, so the Iron Man three trailer is out and about online, as is the Evil Dead remake trailer, which I'm still not sold on yet. Me either. I got I got the vibe that it's one of those things that they showed the best bits in the trailer to sell it because they knew they had to. Um. So will I go see it in the movie theater? Probably. Yeah, I'll go <laughs> see it. I'll go see it. And but I just. I don't know it's, it's it's very pretty But that's sort of a problem Because it's not supposed to be pretty Yeah I,
3: I have mean, a feeling that every one of us Who like Grew up with that are going to go See it and just like Be really angry about having to go see it Yeah
2: like, <laughs> Yeah I, I'm kind of like No you're making me go Stop Bruce Campbell No but yeah, so we'll go see it, though. I mean, it it, it very much has... It's, I don't know how quite to describe it. It feels like it looked like an Alexander Aja movie to me because of the color. It was really it weirdly bright to me. I mean, Todd, did you get that from that trailer?
1: I refuse to watch it.
2: You haven't even watched the trailer?
1: No, I, 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 I'm not trying to be close-minded. I'm just like, you know, I'm tired of remakes as a rule, and I'm at the point where... You know, come up with a new idea, but leave the classics alone. Just because Evil oh, Dead I... was, you know, it was it was a fluke. Evil Dead turned out to be, you know, it was a college film. There's no way they're ever going to recreate the gritty, raw, in-your-face kind of feeling. And when I first went and saw that movie in a theater, uh, it was it was a, a small kind of grindhousey theater. It was well, not too small. About maybe 400 people were in there, and people were jumping, screaming. That movie was terrifying at the time. And then, of course, they made the second one, and then the Army of Darkness. But the second one, they kind of went for the Stooges, you know, the laughs, and then they really oh, totally, blew yeah. out the Stooges on Army of Darkness. So those were different. Those were studio films, whereas uh, even the second one, though it was independent, was still felt like a studio film, whereas the first one wasn't. It was really one of those last great independent raw movies. That's why I always have it like kind of tied with Texas Chainsaw Massacre as my favorite horror film because they both have... That same fiercely independent rawness to it that, you know, even though this, you know, may be a great movie, it didn't have to be an Evil Dead film. It could have been separated just like the Dawn of the Dead remake was fun, but it didn't have to be Dawn of the Dead.
2: Well, and I can tell you something that Bruce Campbell said that will really piss you off, Todd. You specifically will be angry by this. (laughs) Oh,
1: please do. Did he put down Batman? Yes. Oh. oh
2: no. Here's what happened. The my evening with Bruce Campbell, you guys can read it on I believe it's somewhere online on Fangirl, but when I went and saw Man with a Screaming Brain, um, that they, they were talking about the Evil Dead, you know, being remade. And he said to the effect of, Aren't you guys sick of remakes? I mean look, freaking Batman's remade. Why do we have to have this Batman movie? Batman's been done. We don't need to have this Batman Dark Knight, you mean the Dark Knight farts basically is what he said. And I'm just standing there going, Evil Dead 2 was a remake of 1. And you're the one talking about, you know, you're the one talking about getting into making another remake of Evil Dead. How can you set up there and bash... Reimagining uh, that's never been done before, Batman being in the real
0: world.
1: Yeah, but the thing about Bruce is, and I know you know this, he was probably the first one there to get a ticket because, he, <laughs> you know, he You're just likes jerk. to be a sarcastic butt.
0: Yeah,
2: but, I mean, it was... He's uh, a professional he was being, jerk, and that's Yeah, I mean, I he's do. a professional jerk, but at the same time, it's like, dude, really? Really? You're going <laughs> to rag on, like, the best movie of the year that it came out? Really? Really? Yep. There's a little bit of jealousy there, Bruce, because I feel it. Um, but yeah, so we'll see. We'll see what happens with this. Um, I'll probably go see it, which is, I, I just will. And uh, But everybody that I've seen, have talked to online that's seen the trailer w- was surprised. I- I'm holding back on being overly, yay, look, it's going to be so good, because I've been burned before. On trailers.
3: So many um, times. Yeah. We'll not even go into those Star Trek
4: movies.
2: Um, so uh, moving on to what do you guys want to talk about first? Can oh, we wait oh, on Lost I have a, Dead? Oh, I just oh, oh, want to oh, say Rachel. because
4: I'm excited. Yes. I have a giveaway. And I never get to do the giveaway. So I'm really excited about this one. Um, also, they're awesome. BunnySlippers.com is partnering with Fangirl uh, Magazine to do a giveaway of their a pair of slippers to be announced. I kind of think that maybe it's the Star Wars one, but I can't say that definitively. I know it's going to be one of their novelty pairs. So, um, and if you want to go to BunnySlippers.com and drool over them, please do. Um, we should have all the details up by Monday, and it will be up on, there'll be a link on the um, Fangirl Magazine on our Facebook page, or you can go right to com and check out their bunny blog. So... Check that out. It's really easy. All you have to do is put it in. It's all, it's like a, it's like a random choice. It's kind so you put your name and your info in, and if the randomizer picks you, you get free slippers. How easy is that? So (laughs) it's pretty, it's pretty easy, and it's going to be pretty awesome. And I have a pair of their Freudian slippers. I wrote up a big review, so you can read that at fangirlmag.com. And um, I got to tell you, they are pretty epic. And they and have a tongue these. that wiggles. The tongue they waxes. do. You can slide your feet, you slide your feet forward, and you can wiggle your toes, and it makes Freud's tongue make obscene gestures at people. It's awesome. There's, yeah, there's there's nothing wrong about that at all. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you would have been a zombie. You totally would have gone with the zombie slippers with like the disembodied head. Well, yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, this is not news. So I don't think that mine is all that gross. Just.
2: Okay, um, with that, let's go into talking about probably the most epic episode ever seen of Once Upon a Time.
4: And by that we mean oh, has the most man. Rumpelstiltskin
2: in it. Oh, it has Rumpelstiltskin. It has Captain Hook. It has Rumpel, love Rumpel love angst. Them. It has Bell angst.
4: It has sword fight. got that bitch a library.
2: Oh, bitches got, got that bi- bitch. a love libraries. Got that bitch a library.
4: Oh, god, it was hey, so hey. good. You so just that like 18 yeah, times. going to have to... Means no, yeah. nothing
2: wrong with... No, no. This episode was amazing, and we got so much background on Rumpel. We got Baby Bellfire showing up. We had Captain Hook, and I absolutely loved how they worked in Stillskin is the crocodile and not just the beast. How they Jess, did that was brilliant.
4: Jess, I have to ask. Do you now think... That, in addition to probably being the little boy's father, the character um, that was introduced that they haven't done anything with, you know, who I'm talking about, that lives outside of Storybrooke, do you think he's Bale? I think he's Belfire. I think I think
3: he's Belfire.
2: I think he's Belfire. Yeah,
4: but I think well, he's Bellfire, and, and I think that he's also um, Homegirl's baby daddy. Yeah, my- it could be.
2: That could be, I mean, that that would make sense, but we don't really, and there's also rumors that he's going to be Peter Pan.
4: I, I don't so, care, but I'm saying he's Balefire, and he could be Balefire and Peter Pan, but I think he's the baby daddy and Balefire, I'm calling that. It, it, so, it but could I, be.
3: I have something, though, that, like, I I don't, that you've said before, that I, I don't think is happening, I don't think Regina's mother is the Queen of Hearts.
2: Oh, I still think she is. is.
3: Because in this last episode, we found out that um, she's the princess from Rumpelstiltskin's story. No, not her mom,
2: but Regina is. But also, Regina shoved her through the magic mirror into Neverland. Or not Neverland, but Wonderland.
3: So, I really still think that she is... But we haven't found out where that magic mirror led to, but see, the thing was that, like, well, Rumpel was talking about her and him being together, and in Stilskin's story, the princess had to give him her firstborn. So, Oh, and Rumpel said but that he kind of got... Regina and him belonging together.
2: Well, but yeah, remember, she tricked him. And he didn't get her firstborn, but in the end, he actually did get his prize by getting Regina turned into the sorceress that she is. So, in a way, he did get her.
3: Right. So, I yeah. think, I think she's, I think Cora is the princess or, you know, young woman from, from uh, Rumpelstiltskin's story.
2: Oh, I don't she could be both. I, both. I think she's both. I think she's that, and I think she's the Queen of Hearts. I, I think that's what's going to happen. Because we still don't know who the Queen of Hearts is. But Cora was in Neverland and Wonderland. And those are the two places that weren't touched. So I'm, we'll see how that runs. The thing mm. that is killing me inside slowly. And I want to know now. Is if I'm right about Dr. Whale. If I'm right about Dr. Whale. I'm going to crap. Because that means this is going to open up. Once upon a time. To every classic literary monster ever. You're going to have Dracula in there. You're going to have the Wolfman in there. You're going to have all this stuff happen. Because I think Dr. Well is Frankenstein. And the reason I think that is what they were showing on the previews for this weekend's episode. And I think it's going to be amazing if that's what it is. And it would make sense because James Well, Dr. Well, Dr. Frankenstein... And, and David Andrews never gave a straight answer about who he was. And he kept saying, you're going to crap yourselves when you see it. So that's what I think is going to happen with that character.
3: So, like, I don't know if you had a problem with this, but, like, in this last episode uh, where they introduced Hook, like, I did not feel sorry for Rumple's wife at all. No, like, I hated I her. Absolutely. <laughs> I and we're supposed to, and we were supposed to like feel for her. And of course, you know, he kills her, and that's supposed to be a really horrible thing, and show these monster. But I'm like, no, she had it coming.
0: No, like, no, I no. I
4: completely agree. <laughs> but but I, I don't I, know. There's I, a lot of infidelity in this show. It's like a, it's like very in. It, it, it's it's kind of um desperate house fairy tales sometimes. And so <laughs> I, I I kind of get to the same point where I'm like, well, of course he's cheating on him like that's what we're watching right so i'm <laughs> right. kind of a little <laughs> done with that sort of like I, I wish they'd be a little more creative sometimes with how they dealt with certain no, things but
2: i i love to the i love the bail um the the bell and and rumple scenes in this one oh, too that I
3: made me so sad <laughs> don't even talk about that i'm just
4: so upset that they broke up right now
2: but but they're not they're going for hamburgers
4: <laughs> They're like for hamburgers But he's still up to the same Crazy rumple stuff because we wouldn't Like him if he wasn't and so He's gonna mess it up again Oh I'm I waiting know. for like it's Hook so to come awful. To
2: I'm waiting for but, Hook to um, come in And try to steal her away From him and there being all kinds of angst Oh god yes Sorry
3: But I'm like right. I kind <laughs> of to be disappointed in Hook As a character because I can't See myself enjoying a character That would be in love with such a bitch <laughs> I'm like I'm like she is so she, she's shallow, she leaves her child, she leaves her husband, she's a jerk, she's just she has absolutely no redeeming qualities and it's like so this is the person Captain Hooks in love with you
4: like <laughs> It's like come on, Hook, what the heck is your problem? Well, like You know, the problem I, is that we're fangirls, so we think we're supposed to be in love with the villain, which is like why we're broken. But um, <laughs> he's actually like pretty villainous and so that's kind of a cool twist. Like surprise, uh-huh. maybe he's not like super I wasn't having a problem
3: with um
2: I wasn't having a problem with David this episode being all uh wife beater wear and pick an axe and
3: damage. Oh the- that was
2: that was pretty hot, yeah. That was pretty nice. I was okay with that, too. Rosh. Yeah. <laughs>
4: thank you, thank you. <laughs>
2: thank you, Todd. So, um, yes, I think that I David. That. I, I think that next weekend or this coming weekend's episode is going to, it's their Halloween episode, obviously, but I truly think that he's there's been a, one other person, I can't remember who said, they think he might be the Ten Woodsman because of the whole heart thing and, the, and that. I, I am going with Frankenstein and if I'm right I that means
3: but does Disney have Frankenstein? That's the problem is like it's if kind Frankenstein of to... is public domain.
2: We'll see if I'm right. If I'm right, oh my god, that will be amazing. Um, moving on, because we only have about five minutes before we need to bring our special guest on is the walking dead. Oh, baby. Rick Rick's sex appeal has like went above and beyond the call of duty on this episode. Um the rictocracy has started it. It was amazing. It, um, the, the, just, this show is just started like a firecracker and has not slowed down and it's not going to either. Cause I watched the third episode. Um, I can't talk about it, but oh my God. Uh, <laughs> you're such a tease. I, I, I just will tell you that. Holy crap. Is it amazing? And my David Morrissey's governor can take me right now on this table. And I wouldn't mind. Um, But yeah, uh, it is, I just was blown away. Todd, did you watch The Walking Dead?
1: Not yet. I've been working so much I haven't got to see any of it.
3: Oh my god, dude. Yeah, I'm I'm currently, I'm watching, I'm on the last episode of season two right now. So hopefully I'll be caught up by next week.
2: I'm dying inside, people. I can't talk yeah. about it then to you guys, but it's this the the prison is just beautifully shot. How they're doing this season is amazing. Um the the uh just the darkness of Rick's character is just taking over. And the um like we've talked about previously, this season has is jumped forward about seven months. Um, so Lori is, you know, with child, heavy with child and they are, um, they're, uh, it was amazing. Oh, you know, I actually have audio that I need to play on this episode and I, I will do that actually. Um, Todd, I need to edit that in. Okay. I completely forgot. I have that on my phone and I promise people that. So, um, after we're done with Joe, Bob, can you stick around for about five, ten minutes and then I can put that in there? Sure. Okay, cool.
3: Um, I'm like, see, I'm really glad that the third season is good because after the second season, like, it, like, I'm second to the last episode and I am like, I would have been entirely okay with just never watching the show again because the women annoy the crap out of me. Um, Oh, you're going to be happy with the women. Okay, because Andrea, I can't stand her. Like, I honestly, nothing could redeem her in my eyes anymore. Like, I really (laughs) want her to be killed. And, of course, instead they kill off Dale, who was one of the only characters I still liked on the show.
2: Well, what they've done with that is they've kind of swapped him with Herschel. And the, uh, because the, the uh, Jeffrey Dean, um. God, I can't remember his last name. Um, Jeffrey DeMunn, sorry. Jeffrey DeMunn um, wanted out. And so they they changed the entire history of the comics with him being killed off. Because he wanted out of the show. And so they've sort of put Herschel into that elder statesman role. But they're also putting Daryl into the conscience role. Of the, of See, I cute. love,
3: I love Daryl. Like, honestly, that's the only reason I kept watching season two. Like, if it weren't for Daryl, I probably would have quit. I no, probably would have stopped because I would watch a show just about Daryl.
2: Oh like, yeah, totally. No, uh, you and a lot of other people would
3: too. <laughs> like, uh, I no, not only is Norman Reedus gorgeous, um, gorgeous as hell. <laughs> that character is just so deep and so fascinating, and thank God he's a like. You well, know, and the, that's all. Reed Laurie's is. supposed to be Laurie's supposed to be this like really sympathetic character that everybody you know, and I hate her. I like oh my god, nope. one dimensional. One 100- nobody likes her. <laughs> I hate and Andrea too. I freaking hate her. Like, just please eat her. Eat her and pull her to shreds and make her go away. Like I seriously cannot. Like I grimace every time she comes on screen. I just hate her. Hate her. Hate her. Hate her. Well, you're gonna. You're. You may or may not
2: enjoy the third episode, <laughs> but um, the uh, the character Michonne, you'll probably dig her a lot. Uh, but I, I really am enjoying this season. I think it's um, awesome what they're doing. And I got a chance to talk with Andrew Lincoln and Gail Ann Hurd. Um, uh, I got to ask them a couple of questions about it. And it's it's fascinating as hell what uh, they had to say about the process and and the filming of this season and what's going on. So um, we'll bring those. Uh, we'll air that here in just a little bit.
3: Yeah. And if Norman Reedus wants to marry me, I'm totally okay with that. <laughs> <Not> <laughs> <laughs> and with that... <laughs> okay, cool.
2: Well, everybody, um, it is my pleasure to have joining us tonight a legend of the drive-in and the film world in general and the now the internet as well. Um, Mr. Joe Bob Briggs, thank you for joining us on Fangirl Radio.
5: Well, thank you for having me, Jessica.
2: <laughs> yes. And... Uh, Yes, we are very excited. I have excited. To be careful.
5: I have a, I, have a I, sh- I should, you should tell your fans that I have a, we have a history, but we, we won't go into history. that. We won't go into that we surreal
0: have... night. Of...
5: Jessica, what happens in Indianapolis stays in Indianapolis. You know, we all <laughs> except, know that. So, horror, horror Hound Weekend 2010. All right. all right. So, we won't talk about Horror Hound <laughs> Weekend 2010. All right. Go ahead. Go ahead. First First question. <laughs>
2: except we won't talk no questions about conventions and things that go on there
0: (laughs) right
1: I have to interject that uh, (laughs) Joe Bob has been a personal hero to me since the days of the Dallas Slimes Herald when he was the only one there on staff who had a clue I've always been a big fan (laughs) of Mr. Joe Bob
5: well thanks Thanks a lot. I appreciate that. <laughs> All right. Um, we got to well, change the subject quick here. Go I, ahead. I
2: know, I know. You got me thinking about weird stuff that I don't, I shouldn't be thinking about. Um, we did make a okay. video. They had an ugly.
5: indoor pool, as I remember. But go ahead.
2: Yes, yes. And I <laughs> saved your bolo tie from somebody that took off into the pool with it. You
5: invented a drink called the Joe Bob, but go ahead.
2: Like, <laughs> you told me about that. <laughs> yes, the Joe Bob, which is uh, 40% vodka, 40% Baileys, and, and 20% root beer for taste.
5: Yeah. Oh, God. I, w- I wish I didn't know the ingredients. It was bad <laughs> enough to drink it at the time.
2: <laughs> you drink quite a few of them, too, if I
5: remember But I'll right. tell you what. In, a, in order to stay on the subject, I think a Joe Bob was consumed by Lisa Marie. Is that the that correct? I think Lisa Marie from, you know, Tim Burton's ex- Tim Burton's ex, and she was in yeah. all his movies. Yes,
0: yeah, she was. And, uh, a I,
5: I think she she had she was clueless <laughs> enough at the time to have a Joe Bob. So, so <laughs> what? Oh man, we have fun at <laughs> home. This is why I don't do those conventions. <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh my god! Yeah, I was walking around with a tray of Joe Bobs. Everyone had a little bit of Joe Bob that night, as I remember. Oh,
5: <laughs> yeah. Well, okay.
1: Whoa. Okay, go. <laughs> Everybody needs yeah, a little bit of off. Joe Bob. That's the way. <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay, well, I'm, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go to the interview now. Yeah, interview, let's, gonna, let's,
5: let's not defame, let's not defame any more famous people. <laughs> hey, you <laughs> did that on ha- your own. It happened to wander into Hound Weekend 2010 in Indianapolis. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh my god.
2: So I, I actually, this is an actual serious question I actually have for you. I want to know how, what inspired you when you were um, to get to be a writer? What made you want to go into the writing gig?
5: Well, um, well you know, <laughs> when I was uh, 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 13 years old, I had a paper route. And um, I met the people at the, uh, at the newspaper, and they hired copy boys. And I thought being a copy boy was cooler than having a paper route, and so uh, I went <laughs> You're to work. The only uh, person ever who's ever thought that? <laughs> <laughs> and so I went. So I went to work as an apprentice copy boy at the Arkansas Democrat in Little Rock, Arkansas, when I was thirteen years old. And um, they they we were just essentially child labor, slave labor, <laughs> and uh, we we um, we uh, were. We were expected to write. Everybody that was there was expected to write. They didn't. They didn't care how young you were or whether you'd ever written in your life or anything. Wow. They they just expected you to uh, come in and start. So, and and it was it was a cheap it was a cheap afternoon paper, and we didn't have enough reporters, and so we would have to steal stuff from the morning paper. So one of the first things they taught me was. Uh, to take the morning paper and find all the stories in the sports section that we didn't cover because we were too lame, and (laughs) rewrite them as though we were there in such a way that you couldn't tell that we stole them from the other paper. So that's how I learned to write.
2: your first gig was plagiarism?
5: (laughs) Oh, yeah, all kinds of plagiarism. (laughs) You know, also we couldn't afford to go cover the minor league baseball games, and so I would listen to them on the radio and uh, pretend that I was at the game and and write it up for the paper every Saturday night, you know, and and the places I'd never been, you know, like somebody would do, somebody would tell me, I would say, Hey, you've ever been to the ballpark in Shreveport? uh... Oh yeah. Well, what does it look like? Oh, there's this old ice house out beyond the left left uh, left field, and so every time somebody hit a home run, I'd say, Bounced stop the lighthouse, the the ice house in left field. <laughs> And then uh, somebody told me years later. Somebody said to me years later, "What is an ice house?" And I said, "I have no idea. I have no idea." But they have one, <laughs> beyond, beyond the left field fence in Shreveport. So anyway, I, w- I was at this, I was at this sort of front page type newspaper, uh, where we just kind of made it up as we went. And that's how I learned to write. I just I had to write so many words every day, from the time I was 13 years old. It was just a constant repetition. <laughs> that's all we did that's all we did is write it's so.
3: a great <laughs> experience though like honestly like that's a great like, just kind of throw somebody into because I've done print journalism before and you know it's, it's that's how you do it that's how you learn that's how you
5: yeah, how you do it is repetition it. I can tell you that's how you do it and, there, and of course it was sports guys and so they were big drinkers they were big gamblers, and I was underage for everything that they loved to do. And so they were corrupting me uh, by, you know, they would take me out to the lake and for their all-night poker sessions and their, you know, drinking binges and everything. So from, from a very <laughs> early age, wow. I was doing drive-in type behavior. <laughs>
2: so. so what kind of led you to... Because you, you're like the icon of the drive-in. People that you and the drive-in go hand in hand now. That's just in stone in history. What led to that? was What made you gravitate towards the drive-in?
5: Well, I always went to the drive-in when I was a kid, when drive-ins were big, uh, or bigger than they are now. And um, uh, uh, when I, I noticed that um, there were there were... Movies that never got reviewed. They were never reviewed. And they were the movies that uh, premiered at the drive-in and only showed at the drive-in. Now, in big cities, this was Dallas. In the big cities in the Northeast, these same movies would appear uh, in the grindhouses houses on uh, 42nd Street and places like this. But there weren't many neighborhoods like that left. Mostly these movies played what I call... uh drive-in movies played at the drive-in you know but, but by drive-in movie i mean what people what most people of that era would have called exploitation movies or b-movies mm-hmm. so i said well how come you know, the film critic now how come they don't screen these um these movies uh for me and uh they would say oh they never screen these they just they just show up and they show up on thursday morning and we start showing them on Friday and so I called the distributors and said I want to start screening these movies and they would say that's weird we've never had a <laughs> critic want to screen yeah. our movies <laughs> and uh, that's how I got to know Roger Corman I called up and I said well I want you to I want to screen your movies and he would say Eric, uh, okay go by this theater at ten o'clock on Thursday morning, and he'll play it for you. And if you want any, if you want any stills from the movie, just tell him. To, just tell him which scene you want a frame out of the out of the uh, uh, film, and then splice it back together. <laughs> in other words, it's too cheap to send an actual still. He said, just just find a frame that you want and cut it out. You know, it'll be a jump cut in the middle of the movie, but we don't care. So uh,
2: <laughs> that sounds like Roger
5: Corbin. <laughs> yeah, and so um, I I started um, I started my column. Joe Bob goes to the and The first the first film I reviewed was The Grim Reaper. Uh, it has several titles. Uh, it's an Italian film made in Greece about a cannibal, but it was um, uh, the, the, it, it was released first released in America under the title The Grim Reaper. And uh, uh, I, just, I just went on from there being the advocate of the uh, drive-in movie uh, because no one else was doing it. It very, it very quickly became controversial because um, Janet Maslin, who was then the critic of the New York Times, was very offended by the fact that I was celebrating violence, or she, uh, so she said, and uh... wrote a column about it and about the pornography of violence and everything. we were supposed to go on ted koppel's nightline and she backed out she chickened out she would not debate me on the subject of uh... of in movies and violence but uh... at the time yeah, i mean people don't realize this now because there's so much reviewing everywhere but um... you know the only place you had film reviews was mainstream newspapers and some tv stations and uh, these movies were all—they were ignored. They were completely ignored. Um, I don't—I don't call them B movies. I call them exploitation movies because Roger Corman uh, had a big influence on me. And I once asked him, I said, "What do you think of your title as King of the Bees?" And he said, "I don't like it." He said, "I don't like it at all because they're implying that I make B movies, which are le- of lesser quality than an A movie." And I said, well, what do you think about King of the Exploitation movies? And he said, I love that. And, uh, <laughs> and because exploitation was just a term in the business that meant you were good at marketing, exploitation meant marketing. And, uh, he was the best at marketing. And so, um, I, I always called him exploitation movies. But, um, that's how it started. And it just, it just grew from there. It was, it became a syndicated column and then it became a TV show. That's
2: awesome, and I, I think I, I don't think people realize this. You're you've got like a really long history of of writing credits and things that you've done. And I got to tell you, uh, I, I think I've told you this before, but I w- I'm just really inspired by some of the work you've done. And 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 I've followed you my pretty much my whole life ever since I was old enough to watch. What are your you stuff.
5: talking about, Jessica? <laughs> what are you referring to? I have No idea where you're going here. <laughs> Well, I just wanted to take the opportunity what, to like you people you, go. You're making me sound like Tony Robbins or something. <laughs> what, is, what have I written that was inspirational? Good. Well, look like.
1: at the fact that without you, most of us wouldn't even know who the hell Doris Wishman was.
5: There you go. Doris you Wishman, go. yeah. That was um yeah, let me tell you my Doris Wishman story. Um <laughs> back in the eighties back in the eighties, Doris Wishman uh uh, another friend of mine is Frank Henenlotter. I'm sure a lot of your listeners know Frank Hennenlauter, the director of Basket Basta Case and
0: Case.
5: many other fine movies. And Frank is, is, is we, we became friends. He was an early champion of, of Basket Case, even before it was first released. And we 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 did a big drive-in premiere of Basket Case in Texas. And uh, Frank had had um, revived the reputation of Herschel Gordon Lewis. Um, at a time when no one knew who Hershey Gordon Lewis was. And he brought him up to New York, and they had a big retrospective of his films. And then he he was starting to do the same for Doris Wishman, and she just would not come out of hiding. She just would not go anywhere. She was, um, uh, 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 in her youth, a beautiful woman. And uh, and and she was one of those w- women who, uh, when she became elderly, she didn't want anybody to see her to compare her looks then to when she was, you know, a great beauty. And so she didn't uh, allow people to photograph her, and she didn't appear at public events. So a, a company called, I'm um, sorry, um, Strand Releasing uh one leads all her films and I was doing the intros for the films and uh I went down to uh she lived in a uh fashionable condo in uh Coconut Grove area of Miami and I went down to um interview her and uh she didn't want me to meet her sister who she lived with and so she came out of the condo and we had, a, um, we had a long conversation in the little park in Coconut Grove. And I, she allowed me to take notes, but obviously no pictures. And she, um, uh, she was amazed, amazed that anyone would want to watch her films. And she says, why? Why are you releasing these films? They're terrible. And I, <laughs> I said, well... You know, for people who didn't see them the first time around, they're kind of be and fun. And she says, like, which ones? And I said, well, like, nude on the moon is a lot of fun. And she says, that girl was awful and ugly. In fact, everybody in the film was ugly. Why would you watch that? But, well, you know, the pipe cleaners in the hair, and, the, and it's like it's, it's campy. And she didn't really respond to the word campy. And then, and then I said, you know, you're not the only one. They're also reviewing the films of Herschel. They're, they're they're re-releasing the films of Herschel Gordon Lewis. And she says, that scumbag, you're putting me in the same class with Herschel Gordon Lewis. And I was like, well, not in the same class, but I mean, the same company is releasing both. And she like, I'm offended by that. You know, that I would be part of that. You know, part of that kind of you know associated with that kind of film. And so we had this. And and, and I, I would say half of her answers about um, of questions I would ask involve money. She would say that she wasn't paid for this or she paid too much for that or she lost too much money on that, which is characteristic of all the great exploitation filmmakers the one thing they can remember is how much money they paid for every single thing they did on the film. <laughs> and uh, that, was, that was her feeling. And one of the reasons she made those nudist films is she could get the nudist colonies to, for free. And uh, <laughs> so it, it, it was a way to, uh, it, she, it was the era when the law, uh, there was a Supreme Court decision that said you could only feel, make these films on, uh, in an actual nudist camp. Uh, That's the only place nudity was allowed for about until 1963. And then there um, there was some breakthrough film. And then nobody wanted to see the naked people playing, ugly naked people playing volleyball anymore. Um, You know, and we moved on to like real, real nudity. But um, she she liked that era because she got everything for free. The nudist camps (laughs) loved her. (laughs) <laughs> that is uh, that's weird. my Doris Fushman story. That, but that was her first interview. She she later embraced her um, late, later fame and and made another movie. Um, she made I think she made Bad Girls Go to Hell. She either remade it or made a sequel to it. What's that? Uh, she did An one called member? Yeah.
1: She did that one.
5: Well, that's the one that made her the the maddest because the lab lost her, the lab ruined her um, prints and uh, she had to pat- do a patchwork uh, finish to that and it ended her film career because she lost so much money on the film. But um, but no, I'm, I'm talking about she came back in like 2002 or something like that, uh, a couple of years before she died and made... Um, I uh, I think she made a remake of Bad Girls Go to Hell, but I'm not um, sure.
2: There's a movie, I, I, I'm seeing a movie listed as Each Time I Kill.
5: Oh, well, yeah, that's hers, but I don't remember when she made it. Recently?
2: Um, two thousand ten like 10 years ago? Yeah, yeah.
5: Okay. Okay, well, um, maybe that's the one I'm thinking of. But,
1: well, and it could have uh, been produced, she, she, uh, you know, Yeah. under that title.
5: She sort of embraced her um, cult status Later, um, but not when when it first happened in the eighties. She was not, she was not happy to be found. It was like, it was like, uh, oh no, the whole world is going to no, know I made those dirty movies. Um, <laughs> and the you other know, the other great thing about Doris is she shot like the Italians. She did. She didn't believe in shooting sound. She dubbed everything, and she, she and so every shot she made was. Uh, calculated to not show anyone's lips moving, so that it would be easy to dub it later. That's why you have so many shots of people's feet, uh, of That's lamps, yeah. of, uh, <laughs> of windows. <Wow. laughs>
2: That's so.
1: hilarious. Yeah, but Joe, you brought a lot of that uh, to the to the public. A lot of things, like you mentioned, Anthropophagus, the Grim Reaper, and uh, a lot of movies like that, and and like uh, you know the the whole Italian horror drive that was going on during that period. I mean, you really exposed a lot of people to that, and, and to this day I think it's a good thing, because a lot of, like you said, a lot of people didn't review those kind of movies. There was yourself, and there was Chaz Balin, and uh, my good buddy Chaz, and uh, and I tell you what, if it wasn't for you guys, I wouldn't have seen half the great movies I saw.
5: Yeah, uh, there was, um, we should also give credit to Sleep It Express, the uh, fanzine in, in uh, New York that was, that was, um, uh Bill Landis would go to uh Times Square and he would review the movie and the audience and any other disgusting thing that was happening in a Times Square <laughs> theater. It was just one he was one of the strangest reviewers ever in the history in history. i take off my well rest in peace, Bill, but but he he, he was a he was a great uh, contributor and, and John Waters uh 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 even though he was primarily directing, would occasionally would write the occasional article and piece about about uh, the brilliance of uh, of these forgotten filmmakers at that time, forgotten makers of the of the '60s and '70s. And um, uh, the, the, so, but it was it was a uh, it was right at the end of the period when. Um, you could show these films in theaters. You know they were rapidly being uh, driven out of the theaters by uh, VHS tape.
2: Well, and and the thing is, you know, you your respo- you were sort of like the internet. Before the internet, with all this stuff, because people now have more access to it. But back then, it was really sub, you know in the eighties and seventies, and it was really subversive stuff. And, and you kind of got it out there, and that's awesome. I mean, you're you're part of the reason I love this stuff. And, uh, you know, like Todd said, thank you for, for introducing us to this. Because we I lived in Little Podunk, Southern Illinois. I would never have seen this stuff if it hadn't been for you and the drive-in.
5: Most of it was crap, Jessica. You wasted your youth.
2: I, I understand <laughs> that. But, God, I was in Podunk, <laughs> Southern Illinois. I didn't have much of a youth to begin with. <laughs> this was Did you live
5: in that town that has the Superman statue?
2: I lived right next to Metropolis.
5: Metropolis, <laughs> Illinois, with the Superman statue? Yep. I cool lived
2: place. I lived about an hour away from Metropolis. Yes, I lived in a little town called Wolf Lake.
1: I got to tell you, I'd rather watch this drive-in stuff any day than that indoor bull stuff. You know that stuff's oh, got to go. Oh,
2: yeah. Yeah, tell me about it. But yeah, I mean, that's why you're awesome, JB. I mean, I see, you got to know that. You know that. Come
5: on. Well, we the, the the internet the internet's uh, is, is, is good and bad, uh, in, as far as sifting through the, our, our pop culture past. Um, uh, it, it, it's good that there's thousands and thousands of reviewers of pop culture uh, artifacts now. I mean, that's a good thing. The more people that, that, uh, uh, uh appreciate it and talk about it, the better. Um, but it, it's a little bit of a forest for the trees kind of thing where you you can't you can't separate out the uh, the good the good from the bad when i when i go from when i go to uh, when i when i do go to these horror cons and and, and again we won't mention uh horror hound <laughs> weekend 2010 in indianapolis but when i do go to these cons Uh, uh, they always, they always introduce me as like the world's leading expert who's seen more of these than anybody else. Not true. Not true. There are so many guys who never leave their apartment who have seen thousands more of these than I have, you know, thousands more. And, uh, I've met some, i met a guy who, um, uh, he he, he had, he had watched so many that, uh, you you know, those, um. you know those uh, cases where uh you, you 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 get so large you can't leave your apartment you know had, he had, he, had, he had, you know he was approaching that point so uh no there's 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 like a lot of sort of amateur hobbyist guys who who have seen um uh literally every film you know every every B movie ever made and 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 they'll ask me questions that I'm embarrassingly uninformed. <laughs> you know, I just, I just, uh, I just have no idea. You know, we were like, we were talking to, earlier, you mentioned the, the Italian horror directors. The Italian horror directors, when I first reviewed those movies, were attempting to disguise the fact that they were Italian. They, um, uh, they took American names, usually bad American pseudonyms, and they uh they always put american items in the in the in the frame you know, they put a box of cornflakes on the kitchen table or something just just to <laughs> try to fool you into in into, into not thinking it was it was filmed in italy and um uh because they they were so good at dubbing they could they could use international actors and dub english dub dub american voices and um they were Uh, I'm sure shocked when they, when when in later years, uh, people started to value the films because they were from Italy instead of hating them because they were from Italy, (laughs) and and so that was a complete um, complete reversal. And part of that cult uh, uh, developed on the internet, you know, where uh, people would devote entire websites to um, the great. Uh, Italian directors Many of them didn't know they were great Italian directors until you know they were celebrated on the internet and um, uh, uh, Bill Lustig uh, the, the, the the legendary director of uh, maniac and maniac cop and uh, uh, several other movies and the owner of Blue Underground uh, DVD Company. Uh, Bill knows all those Italian guys and has gone over there on many missions and, and, and recovered, uh, pristine 35 millimeter prints. And he's sort of like the criterion collection of Italian (laughs) horror. He has, he has restored those movies and gotten them in crisp, perfect condition and released them on Blue Underground. And now that's, that's a true service to mankind. That's, that's going above and beyond the Call of Duty. Yeah, I um, exactly. I'm, I'm the- sure many of your listeners have some of those uh, blue underground uh DVDs that are that are so beautiful.
2: I might have a couple
1: of those. <laughs> I have to I have to interject an interesting story here about Bill. Uh, I was at the New Beverly in uh in California there uh outside of LA and uh I had the best time with Bill because we were watching um a couple of his movies and of course Maniac there in the theater with John Landis. And it was so funny because you talk about Grindhouse. Bill was in a chair right there, and he decided to kind of move in front of me there, and he was trying to kind of adjust himself, and he fell through the chair and landed practically (laughs) right in my lap because of the... uh, because of the fact that, that it was such a great, old-time, kind of grindhousey theater. And uh, and he was so happy. The place was completely sold out. Everybody was there. Clue Gilliger was there. Johnny Legend was there. And uh, it was a fantastic turnout uh, to celebrate Bill and his history of films. And he showed a movie, and I cannot remember the name of the darn movie. I've seen it twice. And it was an action movie. And it had Jan Michael Vincent in it. You know what I'm talking about, Joe Bob?
5: Uh, that... That Bill made? Yeah. I'm not not sure.
1: I know, I know. It's one of those long lost ones, and I want it on on DVD or Blu-ray because it was so much fun and such a good action movie because Bill is such an unsung hero of that kind of thing, and he did such an amazing job, but I had to mention that just because he was such a fun guy, but he didn't realize... At the time just it's it's always so humbling to him, you know, how many of us love his movies and, and love the uh, the work that he's put into the genre because he is just an amazing talent.
5: Well, I can tell you that he's a good sport because one time I was on a panel with him and I said uh, I said, Bill, Maniac Cop was, was great and then you waited a long time to make Maniac Cop two and I said, Will we ever see a Maniac Cop three? And he'd say, Yes, I already made that, Joe Bob. We <laughs> already came out. And I was like, "Oh, oh, well, I guess it did really well, huh?" <laughs> oh, <laughs> and he was really, he was really nice about it. I had totally missed Maniac Cop Three, and, and I guess and it, didn't, it didn't play in the theaters. <laughs> He was really nice. I was supposed to be the big expert, you know, interviewing him. You know, I was supposed to be all up on his whole career and everything. And he he was laughing about it. So he is definitely a good sport.
2: (laughs) Oh, oh my God. You're probably, yeah, you're probably the luckier of us because I've seen (laughs) him. Oh, my God. Oh man! So i i have to I have to ask you before, because um, I think we're getting ready to run out of time here. But um, I I wanted to ask you about what you're up to now, because I know you're you're still writing for the door, right?
5: Um, the door, the Wittenberg door, has been dormant for uh, for four years, and uh, we don't know if it ever be revived or not. But if, if it is revived, I'll, I'll certainly help get it get it started again. It's the only it's the only satirical magazine in the world of religion I,
2: well uh, i think it's- I think now would be a good time to 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 get that puppy going again with some of the stuff I'm just they're they're satirizing themselves in a lot of ways. The,
5: the yeah, we've had various <laughs> foundations come in that want to do it, but most foundations that want to you know it's it's uh, it's difficult to get money for that. But the the main thing I'm doing is I I have I have uh, founded a uh, a film studio um, that, that that's going to make genre films. We in fact we're going to make. Uh, uh, we have funding for ten films, for ten so-called exploitation films. So, uh, so that's the main thing I'll be doing in in in, uh, in 20, 2013. What year is it? <laughs> next, 20, next, next this is twenty twelve. Twenty thirteen. Yeah. Hi, yeah. Hi, hi. <laughs> uh, so, so in twenty in twenty thirteen, I'm going to produce or executive produce um, ten ten uh, films. Um, and so uh, we've already bought um, uh, five of those scripts. In fact, if any of your listeners are uh, screenwriters, uh, we're the only film studio that will read anything uh, <laughs> from it, submitted in any form. <laughs> and, nice. And uh, and um, we have uh, we have uh, uh, um, we're, we're putting together. It's like Roger Corman 1954, <laughs> but, but it adjusted for uh, adjusted like, for the modern uh, distribution world. So that's what do I'm they, doing. That's the main if thing i am doing. Um,
2: if, they can, if they want to submit stuff to you, how do they do that?
5: They can, my, my website, they can send it to Scripps, S-C-R-I-P-T-S, at joebobbriggs.com. Um, or just send me an email and I'll tell them how to do it. But, uh, uh, joebob at joebobbriggs.com. But, um, uh, and then we, we will, we will be also hiring directors and, and of course everybody else that works on a movie. But they are, they're obviously going to be low budget movies. Um, and, um, I'm not going to, I'm not going to write them or direct them or act in them or anything. I'm just going to, uh, hire extremely smart, um, poorly paid people. <laughs> who um, who will do those things? So, are
2: you sure your last <laughs> name's not Corman? I
5: mean, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, mean I I I, my, I I give all the credit to Roger because um, uh, uh, you know it's it's Roger's formula. It's all the things that that uh, I've learned from him over the years, and um, and so uh, it's just uh, for the new. Um, uh, the, you know the world is different than it was in 1954, and so we're going to reflect that in uh, the way we uh, make and sell these movies. Gotcha. The well,
1: name of that movie maybe, is The Hit List. I just found it. The yes. Hit list. Jan Michael Vincent. The Hit the list. list. Yeah, it's a it's a Bill Lustig movie uh, with Jan Michael Vincent. If you haven't seen it, I suggest grabbing it.
5: The hit. You list. know, if you were a Jan Michael Vincent completist, you <laughs> would. Uh, <laughs> you, would, you you would it would probably take you what, three years to see all the the all the just all the forgotten movies of Jan Michael Vincent would take you three <laughs> years to watch, right? Yep. <laughs> so.
2: The forgotten film of Jan Michael Vincent. That's a documentary if ever I've heard it. <laughs> <laughs>
3: hey maybe you could pitch it to his film company. I know.
2: Hey. I bet Jan Michael Vincent's not doing anything right now. We could probably get him to play himself.
5: Hey, you know, at my film company, Jan Michael Vincent, that would be like that would be like Brad Pitt. Like that would be that would be our Brad Pitt budget for the year. You know, <laughs> Jan Michael Vincent. You know, uh, you know, c- c- co-starring with. Um, uh, who who would be the co star with Jan Michael who would be the equivalent of Jan David Michael Sol. Vincent on the
0: David on Sol. the
5: on the, fem- on the female side.
2: Um Megan um,
0: Morgan
5: obviously. Fairchild. We would it would be Morgan Fairchild. We have Morgan Fairchild and <laughs> <laughs> Jan Michael Vincent, you know, and that would be our Angelina Jolie. <laughs>
0: <What? Morgan Fairchild. laughs> oh shoot. Uh,
2: I could see see this this probably has already been filmed we just don't know
0: it
5: That's a, yeah. <laughs> right it's probably already been, it's already been filmed for the for the uh short-lived <laughs> lifetime horror series <laughs> 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 lifetime that, that you know, that lifetime network tried horror and it didn't work out you know oh,
2: God, <laughs> I and, and i'm sure she was divorced or an abused wife that had cancer of something and lived with her adopted child with autism
5: that's right. turned into a demon, right? Because it was the <laughs> yeah. Halloween because month. Got,
3: because, <laughs> the devil. because of because of some candy, because of drugs and candy at Halloween. Yes, month.
2: yes. And Dan Michael Vincent played Satan, or the or oh, the crap
3: Guys, I think we've got a winner.
2: <laughs> so we need to make this now. You realize that, right? That goal. movie has to
5: be
0: it's filmed.
5: Old. Hi, hey, listen. Anybody who wants to write the spec script, send it in. <laughs> Oh my that's god! Oh, so awesome. uh,
2: John, thank you so much. That could this be is our project awesome.
3: for uh, that could be our project for next month, Jessica.
2: I know we should write the script and give it to him. Oh my god! Yes, he, after... he said. He... You should.
5: We'll read it. We'll read it and probably buy it. We We're do seeing... pay <laughs> cash money. We pay in Zimbabwean dollars, <laughs> and uh... <laughs> we can burn them but... to keep
0: warm
2: at night. I mean, that's sounds.
1: At least he doesn't pay in dirt because his daddy was a dirt farmer.
2: This is true. <laughs> yep. It's not dirt. Oh my gosh! Well, Don, like I said, thank you again. Uh, we'll have if you're willing, we'll have you back any because this is fun. I love talking to you. You're great.
5: <laughs> okay, that was that that was fun. I'm not going back to Indianapolis. I'm overexposed <laughs> in Indiana. I, I'm not even entering the state again. That was traumatic. <laughs> Did you just uh, say you were exposed uh, in never, Indiana? You I, just
2: said you were exposed in Indiana. Oh my God!
5: Yeah, and I, talk I about you know I, the the <laughs> okay, images, the go. images from that weekend are images I never want to see again for the rest of my life. And so, and so, and you were part of that, Jessica. You were you were the instigator. Uh, I know who was making the Joe Bobs. I know who was making the weird drinks. I know who was, you know suggesting things in the indoor pool. So, you know, just just, just, me. <laughs> just stay away yeah, from there. you were such an
3: instigator. Jessica's like, you know, <laughs> like, have to
0: no,
2: alcohol. No. I was concerned about business. his welfare. That's what's going uh.
5: <laughs> Yeah, well, okay. <laughs> okay, we'll just leave it there because, you know, Indianapolis, you know, who knew Indianapolis, you know, you would think, you know, Vegas, Reno, New Orleans. No, Indianapolis. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> but you you always will remember. I mean, that's just, just what happens, you know. Uh, you can ask other people that have come to my room parties what happened. I'm trying
5: to forget, Jessica. I'm trying to forget.
2: Right? <laughs> I'm surprised you do not remember. With the amount of alcohol that was consumed. I'm just kind of surprised.
0: <laughs>
5: Yeah, most of okay. Well, we will. I, I hope I see you at a future con, Jessica. And we won't be doing that out. again. <laughs>
2: you got <laughs> it. It's a deal. We'll do another drink.
5: <laughs>
2: okay.
3: Don't just poison your liver some other way. Well, I'll just I'll it's find hard. a way.
2: I'll, I'll okay. find a way, and there'll probably be another pool involved, and we won't. Yeah.
3: <laughs> and she'll look at you with her Jessica eyes and say, "God, I love a man in pearl snap." <laughs> and a bolo
1: where, tie.
5: Where, where, are you, are you, where are you going with this, Jessica? I mean,
1: <laughs> that wasn't me. That you was already said
5: too much. That's
1: right. That's
5: right.
2: <laughs> pearl snaps and a bolo tie. That's all it takes.
5: <laughs> Did I ever take off the bolo tie? No, I don't someone think so. took it
2: off of you. Someone took it off of you. It was not Would me. Would you
5: stop? Would you stop, yeah, Jessica? It wasn't Jessica. We're not going down that road. <laughs> I'm a public figure. I'm a film mogul.
3: <laughs> that's right. You're
2: hanging out of the studio. We're not, yes, it's true, it's true. <laughs> scandal's part of the, rep, you know, that's required, isn't it? Doesn't that sell movies or something?
5: <sighs> Just stop it, Jessica. Stop it. Control yourself.
1: That's right. Got
5: Control yourself and the next time yeah. they invite you to, they're not they're not inviting you back to Horror Hound I know
1: well, you, yeah, you, you were
5: working you were working for them right
2: I'm still working for them yeah
5: Yeah, but not anymore like, not after it,
2: this it, <laughs> uh, not right. I, I, right. we may sell some more issues after this I don't know I'm just saying they don't know what's in those pages they don't know you never know what might go
5: that oh god way. the mind boggles <laughs> okay <laughs> Thank oh you. my god. And with
2: I think this has been the most scandalous episode of Fangirl Radio we have ever recorded. Thank you, Mr. Mr. Joe Bob Briggs, for that.
5: All right. Invite <laughs> me back.
2: I will invite you back, just, sir. Just,
5: just don't make any Joe Bobs.
2: I won't make any Joe Bobs. You got it. There will be something else involved.
3: <laughs> yeah, we'll figure out something else. With more yeah. booze in
2: it. With more booze in it. If there's such a thing, we will figure out. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Just All right, okay. some vodka. Have fun. <laughs>
2: Straight up blast no eyes Well, thank you again, sir. And we will have you back on at some point, I am sure.
5: Okay, cool. Good night. Thank you,
2: sir. <laughs> See you later. See okay. you bye-bye. bye. <laughs> Very nice.
1: And with that, everyone.
2: there is probably the most scandalous episode of Fangirl Radio we have ever recorded.
1: Wow. Well,
3: we've got to better than that. <laughs>
1: I think you better sign out before it gets any worse.
2: I think I will. Um, with that, happy Halloween, everybody. That was Mr. Joe Woo! Bob Briggs, and uh, we want to thank you for joining us. And uh, be sure to watch um, The Walking Dead this weekend, and also don't don't miss Once Upon a Time. And when we'll find out if, in fact. Dr. Will is Dr. Frankenstein. And with that, I hope you have a good, safe, happy Halloween. Enjoy it. Have some frights. Even though it is on a Wednesday this year, which kind of sucks, but have a good time anyway. Scare some kids, get some candy, and watch some horror movies because that's what it's all about. With that, this is Fangirl Radio signing off. Good night. <laughs>